0: Well hello sons and hello brothers it's time for stuff I want to say mostly to men our podcast for men I'm I'm Ken Pierpont and I have we're in a series of podcasts on being being dangerous men dangerous that is to the world system dangerous to the enemy dangerous to the enemies of our churches and of our families and of our our souls and we're in the third of a four part series of podcast on becoming dangerous men. And today I just want to talk to you about some things that God has been teaching me. Seven things today that that over the over the years, the decades actually Lois and I have spent 40 years raising our kids. And there are things that we would definitely do again. And there are things that we would modify. And there are things that we would never do again. And uh, and and so in learning these things and in studying the word more carefully and more deeply, and in uh, personal application of these truths with our family, they're just, there are seven things that I would really like to... <clears throat> share with you today there are things that I just say things that God has been teaching us that contribute to you being a dangerous man let's just jump right into them I hope you're doing well I hope where you are I imagine when I make these recordings uh, I'm sitting today I'm actually in my study I often almost always do these out on bittersweet farm but uh, because of my schedule Got in early this morning, got a cup of coffee on the desk, I'm in my study at Bethel Church, and um, and that's how that works. I, I don't know when you listen to podcasts. I often listen to podcasts when I'm driving or when I'm doing a chore around home that really doesn't require a lot of deep uh, thought. I often use that as a time to catch up on podcasts. I like to imagine you're you're on your way to work or you're, on your way home from work, and you have driven away from your family, and there's a little ache in your soul, even though you love your work, perhaps, and you do a good and important thing, and you're engaged in it, you're leaning into it, still there's a little part of you that you left at home with your wife, with your kids. And uh, I always, I couldn't wait when the kids were living at home, I I love what I did, but I but also all day I'd have this little thing in the back of my mind. I couldn't wait to get home and be with my family. Maybe that's how you feel now. And so this will be encouraging to you. Some ideas, some thoughts um, about how to be a, a man that's a danger to the enemy. So here are seven things that we've been learning. Number one, we've been learning a new level of listening a new level of listening. I have always considered myself a good listener, but as the years have gone by, the feedback that I've gotten consistently from my family is that I could have done that even better. I could have had a deeper level of listening. And, here, and there are a couple of ways of doing that. Um, you, you've heard of that idea, the drive-through ordering, where you somebody says something to you and you repeat it back. Until they agree, you got it. What I just said is so important. When somebody talks to you, repeat it back until they agree you understand it. It's kind of like the talking stick. You give them the talking stick. And they get to keep it until they believe you understand them. And sometimes that can be formal sessions of four sessions or so. And especially when you're working your way through a disagreement or a problem, and that is, listen carefully. Sometimes problems just go away once we've carefully listened, or our approach to those problems is much more wise. In gentlemen, a manly trait doesn't matter too much how much you can bench press or other skills that you might have, but listening. Is indispensable. I had a friend who put together twenty questions that you can ask your children. And they, they, and a, and in a, in and my brother-in-law Bob Dunbar, who who's gone since gone to be with the Lord. He and Linda had six children, and, and he took those twenty questions that I taught at a retreat at Camp Bearkill years ago. I think it was a father-daughter retreat. Bob took those 20 questions, and he folded them up and put them in his wallet. And um, whenever he would take one of his children to a soccer practice or to a basketball practice, he would pull out one or two of those questions, and then he would just create conversation with his child. And I believe if you met his adult children today, you would see that they were well-parented. You would see that somebody cared about them and listened to them. But Bob is with the Lord. But he was a danger to the enemy because he listened well. He's a very good, by the way, Bob was a great questioner. Good listeners are good questioners. So gentlemen, one of the things I'm learning, and I wish I had learned better when I was younger, is listen with great skill. Listen to your children. Listen to your wives. Listen to the people in your lives. Repeat back what they said. Ask really good questions, one of the best ways to show somebody that you deeply love them is to listen to them. The scriptures say in First Peter about a husband that he is to dwell with his wife in an understanding way. And gentlemen, you can't understand your wife. You can't understand your kids, the people that you work with, unless you listen to them carefully. And so that's one of the things God's been teaching us, and that is to learn a new level of listening. Here's a second thing. Do the hard work. I call it the heavy lifting of replacing lies with truth. And this isn't something that's going to be new to you if you've been listening to these podcasts, but I wanted to remind you of how vital it is to identify the lies you're believing Identify the lies that your loved ones are believing. Do the hard work of figuring out why they're why those are lies, and why they're deception. Then do the heavy lifting of studying the scriptures until you find passages of scripture that leap off the page, that that kind of blink like they're highlighted with col- with lights. They have a ring of lights around them. And and that replace those lies, that counter those lies. Identify the lies, then do the heavy lifting of searching the scriptures until you find passages that are powerful, and you speak the truth to yourself when you're tempted to lie. And then you guide your children, your wife and your children, through this same thing. Remember, Satan is a murderer. He's a liar and a murderer. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy But Jesus is a truth-teller who wants to give you life. Satan will use lies to kill you. Jesus will use truth to give you life. If you counter Satan's lies with Jesus' truth every day, you will have life, and you will be a danger to the enemy. And you want to help your wife and your children and your grandchildren and the people that you influence to learn this. is something the Lord has been teaching us, and that is to do the heavy lifting or the hard work of replacing lies with with truth. Here's the third thing that we've been learning, that's super helpful to a man who wants to be a danger to the enemy, and that is learn how to change. Go to go to go to school on how to change. Sometimes we're tempted to think, God, oh, we can't change. Well, it's difficult. It actually requires miracles to change. It's called sanctification. You don't just change because you want to. You change because the Holy Spirit has worked miracles. And we all, with uh, with uh, un- unveiled face, um, are beholding the glory of God as in a mirror, the Scriptures say. And then we're changed by that from one level of glory to another, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's a miracle of the God's Holy Spirit. So here are some ways to change. I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five. Change the way you think. This is related to the last one. Change the way you think. You want to change? Change the way you think. Repent means change. Turn around the way you think. Change the way you think. If you want to change, change the way you think. Change the way you talk, second thing. Change the way you talk. Um, When I lost 105 pounds a few years back, I remember... I would not say I liked food that wasn't good for me. I wouldn't say, oh, I wish I had a piece of chocolate cake. Or I wish I had a large fries. I wouldn't say that. I'd say, oh, I wouldn't talk that way. I'd change the way I talk. Change the way you think. Change the way you talk. Change the way you act. Repeatedly, the Scriptures talk about putting off and putting on. Like in Romans, and chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, is an example. There is this godly habits. There are these godly habits that that can be formed when a man begins to cha- cha- Begins to act on the truth that he learns, This the, 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 the impulses of the Spirit or the teachings of the Bible. Act on any one truth. It's act in obedience, and then continue, and that will become habitual. Change the way you think, change the way you talk, change the way you act. If you want to change, change the way you think change the way you talk, change the way you act, change what you admire. Worship is the loyalty, time, talk, physical bowing we give to what we really value and admire in the deepest part of us. So change what you admire. Admire people who have the qualities that you lack. Admire those qualities in Jesus. That's what worship is. Change what you admire. And then number six, change what you desire change the way you think, change the way you talk, change the way you act, change what you admire, change what you desire. Decide what you will desire, something that is genuinely desirable, and then change that. This is how you change. So these are three things we've been learning. Learn a new level of listening. Learn to do the hard work of replacing lies with truth, and help each member of your family do that. Learn how to change by changing the way you think, changing the way you talk, changing the way you act, changing what you admire, changing what you desire. Here's another thing that the Lord showed me, and the scriptures are really clear about this, is number four is get your wife and your children under the counsel and the influence of godly spiritual leaders that they admire. It's important that you have admirable spiritual leaders, admirable spiritual teachers, and then you get your family under their influence, all of us will have leaders. You influence your family to be under good leaders. Um, if you uh, if you do this, there. Another. Well, let me let me put it this way: lots of people can tell your son, your daughter, your wife what they need to hear. There are lots of people who can tell them the truth. You can tell them the truth, and, and you should. But have you noticed this? There are those in their lives who are powerful influencers. And when the influencers tell them the truth, then they act on it. Uh, my wife, Lois, doesn't listen to um, uh, books on, audible books, uh, books on tape, um, or, you know, uh, digital uh, uh, audible books. Um but an influencer said there was a good book she should listen to. She said, hey, could you get that book? Can we listen to that together? And immediately we listened to that book. It was, it was an interesting, entertaining book. and um, but, but she was really interested in it once the person she admired said that it was worthwhile. This is human nature to have people that we look up to. If you're going to be a dangerous man, you need to know who your kids look up to, who your wife looks up to, who the people you want to influence look up to, who are their influencers. And the influencers among their influencers who are genuinely godly that would tell them the truth, that, those are the ones you want to encourage to get them around. And so, super important that we understand that a dangerous man will get his wife and children under the counsel of godly spiritual leaders who they admire. Get them books written by people who they admire, have them watch videos of people they admire, get them to concerts of people they admire. Now this would be these have to be people that are telling the truth, that are godly. Um, Get them to these places to get them to and and be careful. You may encourage them in a relationship with somebody that they admire who's not admirable. And you because they're interested, you may have but but if you do that and then they begin to Pattern their life after that person. You, you will have made a very serious mistake. So get your wife and children under the counsel of godly leaders they admire. Learn a new level of listening. Do the hard work of replacing lies with truth for each member of the family. Learn how to change by changing the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act, who you admire, what you desire, and think, talk, act, admire, desire, right. And then get your children and your wife under the counsel of spiritual leaders they admire and this the course should be a local church that's why you don't criticize the pastor if you need to go to him personally and give some correction or or uh, admonition or, or question but 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 don't publicly to in front of your wife in front of your children criticize their teachers and leaders otherwise you cut the legs out from underneath of them important that you get them under people they admire number five Warn them to choose the narrow road. Warn them to choose the narrow road. Um, I was uh, went to a college soccer game where our son Dan was playing one day. And he was playing against a really gifted athlete. He gu- was guarding a really, really gifted athlete. And Danny was able to keep him from scoring, but you could tell the other team kept getting the ball to him because he was a productive uh, player, and he's very competitive. And at one point, he and Daniel tangled up, and Daniel went down. And, it, and I jumped up to, and, you know, thought it was, you know, just thought they were going to kind of spar. And I noticed the guy reached down, and he helped Daniel back up. And later on, I said, hey, that guy, he was, he was a neat guy, wasn't he? And Dan said, yeah, he said he was. He said one of the guys on my team who's training to be a youth pastor was cursing. He's using the F word or cursing, and this guy said to him, Hey, are you on the wide road or are you on the narrow road? Uh, and the guy kind of blew him off and joked about it, and he said, No, I'm serious. Uh, are you on the wide road or are you, are you on the narrow road? As you know, Jesus said there's a wide road that leads to destruction and a narrow road that leads to life. He was saying, you, You're not talking like a Christian. Are you a Christian? Ask yourself some questions about whether you're on the wide road or on the narrow road. Are you involved in drunkenness and partying? According to Ephesians 4.18, that's evidence that you're likely on the wide road to destruction, if that's what you're doing. Are you developing a taste for sinful pleasures? Are you involved in immorality, immoral thoughts, immoral actions, immoral habits, any sexual expression, that violates God's law or sexual expression outside of marriage or our porn or impure thoughts. First Thessalonians says God is the avenger of those who get involved in that. That's serious language. Proverbs read chap, Proverbs chapters five through seven about some serious warnings about that. Here's another question Are you living for comfort, pleasure, and things? First Timothy says that's a very dangerous place. People can pierce themselves through with many sorrows who do that. Ask yourself, you know, are you on the wide road or the narrow road? Do you have an independent spirit? Believers have a spirit of dependence on the Lord. Jesus is their Lord. He's their boss. They don't have an independent spirit. Do you have an independent spirit? Is God pleased with what amuses you? Are you amused with things that break God's heart? Does your tongue... What does your tongue tell us about your heart? The Bible says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. But an evil man man, out of the e- evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. What comes out of your heart? What is, the tongue is the dipstick of the heart, somebody said. So what does your tongue say about your heart? Choose the narrow road. Do you seek forgiveness when you fail, when you, when you offend are you quick to seek forgiveness? Are you quick to ask forgiveness? Would your family say that you're angry? Scriptures warn us straightly in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, that you give a foothold to the devil and you grieve the spirit when you go to bed angry, when you live with the short fuse and gentlemen. These are some questions. Are you involved in drunkenness and partying? Are you developing a taste for sinful pleasure? Are you involved in any immorality? Are you living for comfort, pleasure, and things? Do you have an independent spirit? Is God pleased with what amuses you? Does your What does your tongue say about your heart? Is your heart a treasure of good things? Do you seek forgiveness when you fail? Would your family say you're angry? These are signs that you may be on the wide road to destruction. Number six, be a ringing example of everything you say. So, you know this, we tend to want our children to do what we say. We tend to want our wives to do what we say, but they're more likely to do what we do. And so, it's important that you say the right things, but it is vital that you do what you say, that you are a ringing example of what you say. And we talked about the principle of imitation earlier. And all the scriptures that talk about that. But this is number six. Be a ringing example of what you say. And gentlemen, I'll tell you that you're much more likely, you're powerfully, exponentially more likely to influence somebody by the way you behave than you are by the way you talk. What you do can completely negate everything you say. And so my suggestion is obviously that you say the right things, but that more importantly, you demonstrate, show them how. And so over and over again, I think, don't just tell them, show them. It's show and tell. Tell them, but show them, and my goodness, is that important? One of the reasons that's true is because the way we operate best is when we have concrete visual examples of things that that stick, they're sticky, they stick to our hearts and minds. As a communicator, this is one of the things that I've learned, is that things that are concrete are sticky, they're memorable. And so when you show someone something, those lights just go on, and sometimes even when they want to do what you say, all you're saying is they're not getting it because it's abstract to them. But when you show them and you involve them in it, what you do, what you say they may do, but what you do, they're more likely to do. And what you do together, they're, they're likely to continue to do. And so be a ringing example of what you say. Learn a new level of listening, number one. Do the hard work, the heavy lifting of replacing lies with truth. Three, learn how to change by changing the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act, what you admire and what you desire. Get your wife and children under the counsel of godly spiritual leaders that they admire, influencers. Five, warn them to choose the narrow road and you choose the narrow road. Number six, be a ringing example of everything you say, a clear, fresh example of everything. Finally, number seven, and this is so vital, it it trumps everything else. Root your life, your soul, and your family in the righteousness of Christ. This is important. And um, nothing. there's nothing that's more important. Know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. Have a gospel awareness, a righteousness of Christ awareness. Um, I was speaking at a camp. And um, after dinner... There's an activity the young people do while I kind of prep myself, and I pray, and then I get ready for chapel, and the quarters are attached to the chapel, so I'm just getting ready to go into the chapel, and they're starting to gather, and I'm getting dressed, and, and Lois called me, and she has a little series of questions that she often asks. One of them is always, so what did you have to eat, which is really odd I've been going to this camp now 25 years in a row, and I love everything about the camp. I love the food. I love everything about it. I, however, when I went to dinner that night, it was the dinner was ham salad, which surprised me. I thought there must have been a hot entree that, I, that they served before I got there. All that there was was ham salad. Oh, I like ham salad all right, but I just thought it was an odd thing to serve for the evening meal to hundreds of campers. So, She said, what would you have for supper? And I go, well, yeah, it was kind of lame. Ham salad? She goes, you're kidding. I go, no. I'm sort of surprised they're feeding this to the kids. Right about that time, somebody knocked on the door. And I went to the door, and they said, hey, Pastor Pierpont, you need to turn your microphone off. I was getting dressed. I had my microphone on, and everything I was saying was being broadcast out in the chapel, including my complaint about the ham salad. I said, oh, no, are the campers in there yet? They go, no, 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 the campers aren't in there, just the cooks. I said, oh, no, (laughs) oh, no. Well, later I apologized to the director of the camp, uh, who is a godly man who's very, very aware and very thoughtful about the righteousness of Christ. And here's what he said to me. He goes, oh, I said, I'm so sorry I complained. I've only complained about the camp one other time in my life. I am so sorry. And he said, well, again, at a time like this, it's good to remember that you're depending on the righteousness of Jesus. And Jesus never complained, never once. That's always stuck with me, the humor of the story. And the, and the theological lesson from my friend, I wish I could teach you that. And that is you may feel defeated and you may feel defiled and you may feel like a failure, but you are in Christ, and he is righteous, and you are depending not on your righteousness, but upon the righteousness of Christ, and his people who depend on the righteousness of Christ, who actually are begin to grow in personal holiness and personal righteousness. We remember, guys, remember this. Dangerous men know this. There is justification there is sanctification there is glorification right we're we're justified when we're saved we're being sanctified as we're growing like christ and then one day when we're with the lord we'll be in our glorified state so try to remember that gentlemen and lean into the righteousness of christ and teach your children to lean into the righteousness of christ lest they be overcome with license or legalism both of which are damning and bad. So remember this. Ask and remind yourself, are you under the wrath of God or are you under his mercy? If you are in Christ, you are under the mercy. You are in Christ. You have the righteousness of Christ. You are destined for glory. You are saved and won't be lost, but be sure you're saved. And gentlemen, these are these, just some things that we've been learning And one more talk about being a dangerous man, and that'll be next week. But I hope that today, that what I've had to say has been helpful to you and been useful to you as you become a man who is a danger to the enemy and to the system of the enemy. It's a life and death thing. If I had a guest on the podcast today, I might bring a friend of mine who has given me permission to tell his story and to tell the story of his son that is now with the Lord, because he took his own life. he had strayed he was a sweet boy, but he'd strayed from the Lord and he had come back to the Lord, but Satan still had his grip on him and he still had things that were dragging him dragging him under. and one night this precious boy. He took his life. And I often think about him, and I think about the fact that he's raised in a good Christian home by, with godly parents, and he was in a good churches. They had people that cared about him, but still Satan couldn't have him in hell. I don't believe the, this young man knew the Lord. And Satan couldn't have him in hell, so he said, you know, I'll destroy whatever I can of him. And, and, and he contributed to him taking his life. Uh, This is so serious. This is life and death. This is heaven and hell. And it's men who stand in the way between what Satan wants to do and what the world and the flesh and the devil want to do to our loved ones and what God has for them. And I I just want to remind you as I kind of sign off, what the Proverbs says, it's 418, Proverbs 418 the path of the just is like a shining light. it shines brighter and brighter until the full light of dawn. when you follow the Lord when you follow the path of the just you 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 ride into daylight you run into daylight you walk into daylight. I was in on Mackinac Island years ago on our, it was our twenty fifth wedding anniversary. I got up early lowest went to sleep in, and I decided to ride around the island on my bike and I went around the north end of the island down the east side of the island. And went up over a little little hill on the trail there and up into the sunrise. And this passage came to my mind and it's always stuck in my mind. I always have that scene in my mind of the vast water and the fresh air and the beautiful island there. And the thought, the path of the just is like a shining light. It shines brighter and brighter until the full light of dawn your life can be flooded with light and the lives of those you love can be flooded with God's light his grace and his goodness but not unless a dangerous man is there to be a danger to the end. It's unlikely unless you are a danger to the enemy so God, gentlemen go out there today and be very dangerous for God God bless you